And welcome to the Glacial Musical Podcast. It is beer, metal, and swearing. Of course, I am Nick Cameron, the idiot that started all this, and I am joined by my good friend. He's a little bit short, he's a little bit chubby, and he's awfully fuzzy. Koala Chakas, how are we doing today? Did you know that koalas sleep 22 hours a day and have vicious claws? Oh my god, that just sounds lovely. I could wish I could sleep 22 hours a day. How are you, my friend? I am good. Uh, a lot of weirdness going on, which we talked about off air, but this is a good happy time. So we're not going to talk about that now and my complicated life situation. If you are joining us for episode two of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, we're going to discuss Freaky Styly and the Uplift Mofo Party Plan, which I hear is a plan based on a band and a band based on a plan. I don't know if that's true. We'll find out. As if you are here yet and you are new, thank you very much. Please give us a like, drop a comment, call me ugly, say I'm balding. I love that stuff because I don't feel awkward enough about my looks. But here's how we do this. We do a beer check. We do a vinyl check. News of the day. Shirt check. Actually, we should shirt then news because it should be check, check news. Because that sounds funny. That sounds better than check, news, check. Yeah, check, check, news. It's like, you know, we will rock you. News, check, check, news. Anyway, so beer check. Today I am rocking one of the, the last can of this I have. This is the Great Lakes Lake Erie Monster Imperial IPA. It is a 9.5% something, something. Got this on my trip. Picked this up in Ohio, which is where they are based out of. Unfortunately, they do not distribute in st louis uh one of my co-workers brought me back a six-pack of their edmund fitzgerald porter as uh list viewers may recall so finger fudge pour and i turn it to you nice if anybody out there listening can get me even a can of that rush that new rush pale ale please do i am having a beer i have never had before it's a popular brand out here faction brewing and this is the penske file and it kind of looks like the critic with glasses on. I'm not sure what the if I'm missing a in-joke here with this can artwork. I'm not sure if my focus is off on my camera a little bit, but hopefully you can see. Anywho, uh, this is a Penske file pale ale, 5.8 alcohol by volume, mosaic Ukanot hops. Mosaic's good. American, the malts are American two-row crystal 45. If you know what that means, tell me. The malts I don't, the hops I do. All right, then. Are those good hops? Yes. The mosaic. I really like mosaic. This has, uh, what does this have? Da, 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 da. Uh, it doesn't say. Got a government warning. Decent pop, finger fudge, blah, blah, blah. It's frothy. It's a frothy boy. Don't go over. Same. No whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Cheers, One, two, my three. Friend. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. My God! If this were available in St. Louis, I would be dead. It's uh, it's it's certainly hoppy, but it is tasty. Definitely an acquired taste. This would be good with a a red meat. I'm a big fan of uh, big fan of the super hoppy. Speaking of red meat, I'm actually inviting some friends over this Sunday, this Friday, because my family's out of town. My mother-in-law is going to be gone. We have a duplex where she lives on the first floor. And I am going to put uh, stupid arena football on the TV outside, get a fire pit, bacon wrap, steak kebabs, shrimp kebabs, and veggie kebabs. and just going to have a good old time. If you have vegetarian friends, cook the veggie kebabs first so you're not cooking their vegetarian food on the grill that had meat on it. Just no, vegetari- no vegetarians are coming over for this. It's <laughs> okay. going to be way too meaty. <clears throat> but uh, my vinyl check, I got two today. All right. I'm going to start off with a stone cold classic that has been the source of much political controversy because the title track is not, in fact, a patriotic song. What is it? Born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen. Booyah! It's the go-to. You gave it away, kind of. That was the part. Yeah, I know. Got it at, for a box at the uh, the antique mall. It's already in the, the Mylar sleeve. I don't know if you can tell, but it is a gorgeous gorgeous clean pressing and sounds great love this one now are you, the a sex- big, are you a big springsteen fan i would not even call myself a springsteen fan but i wanted to buy something and it seemed good enough okay fair enough uh, now this next one i am a fan of in fact my kid made fun of me for purchasing this one this is 
Aerosmith, permanent vacation. And you, anybody who follows my Instagram might be thinking, but Nick, you already have Aerosmith, permanent vacation. And while that is true, I wanted a super clean copy of it. The other copy I have is a DJ promo that has been used at weddings. And the cover looks like it's been used at weddings. It's gotten beer spilt on it. It's gotten everything spilt on it. It's just an absolute beater. It is also the record itself sounds great, but I wanted all the bits. So this came with uh, the picture, lyric sleeve, all that good stuff. This is actually that looks blank. Oh, I'm sorry. It looked blank when you flashed it. It was great, though. If you want to talk about lyrics that should be blank, we'll get to that in a little while. In a little while, yeah. Um, out of curiosity, how much were those two purchases? Uh, Born in the USA was ten bucks, which is a little pricier than it probably should have been. This one I got for fourteen, and it is a <clears throat> Columbia House edition. No shit. So if you look very low at the bottom there, I don't know if you can read it, but there's some gold typing on the bottom left hand corner. My left, that is manufactured for columbia house not their true comeback record but I've, I, honestly a great record i probably need to buy one myself someday and i have a great aerosmith permanent vacation story i'm gonna save for another time actually this was 18 dollars <clears throat> according to the sticker is that what you paid or you're not sure uh maybe it was 18 i don't remember it wasn't more than 20 i know that all right i, I, couldn't, I couldn't help myself i understand we often can't is it my turn? It is your turn. I am done. All right. I have a one for today. A one for. I'm going to slide it on over. Um, Arguably the single or second best punk rock album of 2023 so far. Either one or two, depending on your fandom. This is Code Defendants. Crime Wave. This is Crime Wave. And so this is a super group of sorts. Uh, a famous graffiti artist, punk hanger on, a rapper, and it's written and produced with Fat Mike of No Effects. He's not quite in the band for live stuff because he's still busy with the Punk Museum and No Effects. But uh, so this is Crime Wave. It's kind of like rap, punk, world music, uh, just chill vibes, almost like a sublime type of chill ska, but also punk and very gritty songs about being in jail, which several of these guys were and um if it's a little rappy they should have gotten kill a mic well one of the songs features the doc famous for his association with dr dre and snoop uh, all right, all like right. the doc no one can do it better if you know that line from dre day and um so really quick this was 30 dollars at their second show ever that i attended here in san francisco it's a review at ghost cult i'll link it in the description it came with this beautiful lyric sheet including a photo of the two main guys not fat mike but the other two guys sam yeah, king nice. and chesky ramos uh who's actually an east coast guy that's got a little west coast rap thing so it's like punk rock ska punk rap melodic punk hardcore a little bit a little bit of punchy punchy sometimes um incredible show live incredible and then and then for their debut show they did like a little four like a like half performance a half set and the DOC came out with them and did the song with them. And it came on this beautiful cream to highlight and accentuate the orange in their orange and white color scheme. The cream nice. colored, not translucent. It's like a milky uh, kind of pattern. It's like something spilled the milk on the uh, the vinyl. So uh, it's got a beard hair on it already from my bed. Okay. Anywho. Uh, speaking of, speaking of my, my terrible idea of... Uh, uh, Fat Mike and Killer Mike being on a record together. Am I the only one that wants uh, John Five to do a record and tour with Johnny Five of Flowbots? How about the Jurassic Five as the backing group? Well, there we go. Everybody wins. It's 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 Johns and Fives everywhere. John Five uh, just recently got a new Gibson. I'm sorry, Fender Telecaster. Sorry, not Gibson. Fender Telecaster limited edition. It's like five thousand dollars if you want to play John Five's similar guitar. You can get a uh, cheaper one. There's a lot of, well, I mean, rephrase. <clears throat> At one point in time, he had a meet and greet for $500 that included the lowest level of his guitar, mm -hmm. which uh, he doesn't do that anymore. He's way pricier than that now, but yeah, I thought that sure. was pretty awesome. But uh, real quick, shirt, shirt check, check. And then news check, yeah. Uh, I got Metallica Ride check. the Lightning. 
Trying to make you laugh. Trying to cheer you up. It's not working. Look at the face. Uh, corn checks. Checks mix. Puppy chow. I'm done. You haven't done your shirt check yet? No, I'm you were doing, doing do yours. I, I, I already did it. Do it again. I interrupted you. What if people are listening to the podcast and not watching? Metallica, ride the lightning. It's a pretty I, cool shirt. It looks it looks like a blue all over. It's not black, right? It is. It is. It is blue. I need you to check that damn shirt so you can't blame me later. <laughs> they find a way to confuse myself so I don't do it again. I am wearing the recent Mr. Bungle Tour shirt that I picked up in Vegas and my bourgeois hat, Maybe I'm a Bird, which is the name of their upcoming new EP, although this hat is like three years old. So, uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Bungle. If you like the hardcores and the metals, super group of dudes, three original Bungalites, Dave Lombardo and Scott Ian of Anthrax. Hmm. Not so uh, just, just so you know, I have a cat rebellion going on the other side of the door. So if I make any sudden mo movements, I'm worried about what they're doing. But uh, news of the day, we're going to keep it a little bit short this week because we're probably going to go long as we're doing two records and we only do one these days typically but uh keefe had some news that he told me about do you want to drop that yes i got in trouble for <laughs> not in trouble but i got it was some confusion by the time you are hearing this metallica will have released a brand new digital only ep with amazon music that is a series of performances called the amsterdam sessions I'm not sure if these were live recordings from the M72 tour or they went into a studio in Amsterdam and videoed them because there's also videos. And the um, it's uh, two new songs, newish songs from uh, 72 seasons and two old ones, Master of Puppets and Nothing Else Matters that no one needs. But uh, yeah, I've got that cool. on everything. It looks cool and it sounds cool. And then, you know, that always opens up the door that later on maybe they'll do a vinyl or something but uh yeah the the amsterdam sessions by metallica dropping this week and um i got the news today it's officially not till tomorrow but by the time this is live it'll be public digital oh, no. only aka why i did not hear uh beyond magnetic for 15 years because it wasn't on vinyl no because it wasn't even on cd and i missed it and i don't i don't like buying digital i have a real i've always had a real rough time even before i switched to vinyl but I do have uh, Beyond Magnetic on vinyl now, which I'll be honest, not, was not necessarily worth the hundred dollars I paid for it. But uh, but I paid it, so I can't I can't change that now. You're a brave man, sir. You're a brave man. I don't have a great deal of other news except to share with our fans that may or may not know in the Northeast, um, the New England Metal and Hardcore Festival is back. Headlined by Lamb of God and also has Shadows Fall and a bunch of other bands. And uh, my years and years in Boston preceding the time I lived there, because any opportunity to mention that I lived in New England and Boston, preceding the time that I lived there and including the time that I lived there was very formative for me. I made friendships there. I covered it many times. Um, technically, partially got into Ghost Cult because I had covered it in the past on a really wonderful festival run by Scott Lee, who's a band manager and promoter in the hardcore and metal scene. And you might know him. And uh, yeah, just super stoked that it's coming back. And that got announced uh, formally today. I had broken the news. I got the sly, somebody somebody tipped me off to the to what was coming and I, and I had it early, but it's official now. So that's cool. And I think that's, I don't have much this week. I'm not sure what else to share. <clears throat> well, cool. Well, let's just go ahead and move forward. We didn't talk about the tour last week. So as we pick up on these series, we typically start with the tour as behind it. So we will talk about the tour for the Red Hot Chili Pepper self-titled record. Uh, fairly nondescript. What was evident in the very quick, however, was that uh, Anthony Kiedis and Jack Sherman were not exactly great friends. And musical and personal tensions arose. So throughout the rest of the tour, as you do when you're on the drugs, the hard drugs, you get confused. And at the end of the tour, they fired one Jack Sherman 
and who just happened to be out of his band but one Hillel Slovak who is returns home to the mothership which is foreshadowing to get back into the studio with the boys Cliff Martinez however still in the band Jack Irons has not come back at this point put a pin in that however so then they go into the studio well before they go to the studio they now remember they're on EMI they are on a significant record label so they somehow made it they, they asked who would you like to work with and their response was of course George Clinton perfect George Clinton will probably have a good idea of who they are, what they do. So after you know they begin writing songs, and then George says, "You need to come up to Detroit. We're going to record it in Detroit." He has paid twenty five thousand dollars for his efforts. Which did that seem good. low to you? It did seem low to me. However, I'd also point out that George Clinton isn't precisely a producer, so they would need somebody to run the knobs as well. I assume, I don't know for sure, but he's awfully high, so I assume he probably couldn't do it. And speaking of high, put a pin in that. We'll get to that in a minute. Anthony Kiedis does, George Clinton then tells them, you need to come up to Detroit and hang out and live at my house for two weeks. So what does George Clinton bring out when they get there? Dr. Roxo's favorite salts. Cocaine. Now here's where the story gets a little bit I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Anthony Kiedis did not make it up for the bonding coke sessions, which that was a bonding session so they could get to know each other. I believe he was going through very serious withdrawals at this point, and it took him some time to get up there. So I think he was only there for three or four of the 14 days. And mind and you, he's from the area. He is from the Detroit area. I didn't realize. He should it have been Detroit. a homecoming. I mean, Michigan-ish. He's from mm-hmm. Michigan. He's from Michigan. I know Michigan is vast and not just Detroit or. Well, you know, it's a lot like Missouri. You know, there's not a whole lot of places. You know, I, I, look, I live in flyover country. I'm going to I'm going to take shots at other flyover states. At least I got some lakes. All I got is a river that I got some murder river. But um, is that where the bodies go? I'm serious. Right. Uh, read a rip in heaven. If you feel like getting horribly disgusted. For weeks on end. Okay. And that's all I will say about that. Uh, but the the thing about the Mississippi is we were always told that if you get one foot in it, it's going to drag it down to uh, New Orleans. I don't know if that's true, but it was true enough to make me never put my feet near that river. Is it's scary. Anyway, so they go back up. They re-demo. They do all the business. Then they write Freaky Styly. Freaky Styly, probably about the worst title you could come up with i think i don't think this is a very good one so might as well just go ahead and get straight into the track by track named named for the song i'm just gonna say like of all the tracks i mean like i get why but i don't get why it's a non like yeah it's just like it was not a good choice consider i mean i don't know what the other choices would have been but anything else could have been better than this I will let you know when we get to the point in the story where the Red Hot Chili Peppers begin to make good decisions. Yeah, it's coming. Barely. We're not there yet. Um, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, so George Clinton, obviously, of Parliament Funkadelic, Kindred Spirits to a point, and this is the funkiest, pure funkiest record they ever do. Mm. It's not funk, but it's it's almost fun. It's, it's more funk than the previous and, the, and every other record coming forward. It's, so, it's a step up. But not much. And I will say co-produced definitely by the cocaine, as you said. Literally, you could they should have credited Bolivia as the or Colombia as the co-producer of this album. Well, George, I'm, I'm gonna spoil this little tidbit. <clears throat> George Clinton's drug dealer is on the record. Apparently, he showed up with the cocaine and uh, they didn't have the money to pay him. So instead of him being paid for the cocaine. He gives some vocals to Yertle the Turtle. Okay. You know, yes, should have been. When you're truly out of ideas and you owe the drug dealer money, I wonder if he got points on the record and that's like paying him still. Nick is laughing. So I didn't mean that it didn't, wasn't, I didn't say it funnily. The idea of the drug dealer getting points on the record because of him saying, who's out there on Yertle the Turtle 
is about the funniest thing I have heard all day. So okay, I appreciate good. it. Good. All right then. Well, let us bust through the track by track. Starts <clears throat> off with uh Jungle Man, which is you know, actually it's a pretty good tune. It's got some nice guitar work. Anthony Kiedis is singing a little bit. He is taking a quantum leap forward vocally. Flea, of course, is flea, Hillel is Hillel, and Cliff Martinez is good enough to get the job done. He's, he's good on here. Um good song. They played it live for many years. And I would say, like, uh, if you if you're gonna say like in the funk spectrum, from like Brothers Johnson to Prince to Parliament at the top, where do you, or you know James Brown is in there toward the top, like historic great funk artists. Like, how would you term their funk rock funkiness? Is it like it's because to me I hear like all kinds of stuff in it. It's less punk. It's less pure rap and it's more structured than it, well, the whole record is more structured oh, yeah. than the first record. This would be, I would say it's probably the Venn diagram where uh, Parliament, Chuck Berry and uh, the Ohio players all meet in the middle. It's it's not precisely over the top funk like I mean, nobody made funk like Parliament, period there. They they just took. It's it's like that episode of The Simpsons, man. They took funk to strange new places, and nobody has ever been able to get high enough to go there. I I mean, they got dudes with frog heads and diapers playing trombones. It's, and that's not even talking about Bootsy yet. Then there's Bootsy. Then there's George. And I mean, and the hey, other eight hundred and the other eight hundred seventy five people that were on that stage, along with a spaceship. We should probably do Maggot Brain as a chaser sometime if you haven't done it somewhere else. I have not. I would definitely go for that. All right. Continue. Uh, next, next, we move into Hollywood brackets, Africa brackets. Uh, you know what? It would be great if I could tell you right now, this is the last song they do about living in California. Well, the problem uh, is it's not just that they did this song about California, because it's one of the millions of songs about being from Los Angeles and California. If you're going to do a cover, and I know this wasn't their idea, this was George's idea, according to Wikipedia, which we know not to trust, but I'm going to just say, George, it's been said, referenced several places, George, so, you know, oh, they were like, hey, we we're thinking of covering the meters. And George was like, you should cover Africa, but change the lyrics to be about Los Angeles. What a horrendous idea, both in idea, just the conce concept and the execution. Horrendous, horrendous idea. Oh, Hollywood! Horrendous. Just hor don't don't cover the meters, and do a, a bad job, especially when they could have done better. Did you get I that? Love that these was covers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They could have done. Here's. I think the sound effect you were going for was. No, uh, I had to get. I was doing the line. It was a yes, really yes. long one. On a podcast, no one will know. So you need to give the audio. But um, I tried. I could know. you not? Could you not hear it? I really couldn't. Oh, um, goodness. anywho, not a good idea. Bad execution. If any, if you out there like this, come in the comments and tell us. I can't help you though. They did not stick the landing. <clears throat> did not. Okay, so next we move on into American Ghost Dance, and this is just who asked <clears throat> for this, who thought of this. This is definitely the kind of song that when you're really high on cocaine, you think is a great idea. And then you wake up the next morning and go, well, it needs to be 40 minutes anyway. The execution of the song itself is not bad. No, the execution, the performance is, is amazing. Lyrics, they, no. They do it with conviction. It's just, uh, it's just a chaotic, jumbled mess. And a producer who is not good at reining them in because he is a chaotic, jumbled mess himself. You ever heard the man talk? I have. Has he ever heard himself talk? I don't think he has. <laughs> I'm not sure. And I love George Clinton. Just for the record, I've seen him in concert. Got a couple of his records over here. Love him. The man, the myth, the legend here at a millions. A true gem of a human being. And a we are very lucky to live in the same times to live in the same time as George Clinton. As a performer, producer, well, well, we'll judge that later. Next, we move on into a Sly and the Family Stone cover, If You Want Me to Stay. I enjoy this one. Is it necessary? Not remotely. 
So this I is a, this is a good cover and their best cover of the early years. However, oh. why does the album have two covers out of the first four songs? Is that a lack of confidence? Is that the is that the label who sequenced the album for them? Why? Yeah, good question. Uh, next, we move on into Nevermind, which you know the part of the record that's really good is quickly ebbing away and never mind I, yeah i think that's about right I, I i i don't even know if he says never mind in the song it's again they are young they are high they are with their hero and this is one of those songs where it's like they're trying so hard to impress however they are not funk people like parliament they are much better when they make some semblance of sense and don't try to go crazy. And yeah. And the funk comes at the sacrifice of the punk and the rock. That was a very, if there was any redeeming qualities of the first record and their early sound, it's gone here. It's not that Completely. rocking. It's not no. that rocking. It's, it's a true funk and R&B attempt. Without a legitimate singer, but they tried real hard. Music's good. Songs are good. Halal's, Halal's first Chili Peppers recording, wild, right? Great riffs. Oh, he is great all, playing I mean, solos. He is all over it. Amazing stuff. And you can see a lot where, as we, when we get to him later, where John Frusciante copped all of his, oh, totally. all of his early and, style. And I'm going to say that, like, I feel like Halal is like a great point guard in basketball. He made everybody better by coming back to the band. Including Completely Cliff, who plays agree. over his head on this record a lot. Completely. In a good way. Uh, next, we move on into Freaky Styly. Quite frankly, we are still into very forgettable territory that would probably make more sense in altered states. And horribly cringe lyrics. Just so bad. I don't remember them, and I'm okay with that. Oh my God. Just so bad. Uh, like, Black-Eyed um, Blonde. Black-Eyed Blonde I like. Uh, it's actually a good song. It's probably the best song on the record uh, beside the first one. And they played it for years. And they played this in the movie. I may be stealing some thunder here. They appeared in a movie as themselves, which they've done a lot over the years, as well as Flea and Ketis being in movies. But they were in the movie Thrashin', the early skateboard movie featuring Josh Brolin. And they played this song in the movie. And it's actually good. It's good. It's not terrible. It's not great. It's good. It, it's forgettable for me, but okay. Uh, there's a lot of samey on the forgettable stuff. Sure. Uh, moving on into a remember all song, the brothers cup. I have no idea what's going on in their brains when they write this. What is the brothers cup? I didn't really have a brother to speak of, so I don't know. Maybe there is some trick, you know, there's something that nobody told me about, but you know, here we have better backup vocals. We have a build. We've got all the good stuff. This is, it's almost leaning into rock, but only just. It's just almost there. I would say I have a feeling a lot of early Chili Pepper songs are just inside jokes between Flea and Ketis that no one else knows. And they only know it, and it only makes sense to them. Yeah, that makes sense. That's uh, That would be a great explanation of the tiny little tracks like Battleship, which clocks in at just under two minutes. You know, nine times out of ten, I don't need a song under two minutes. you got to be real special, and this is not real special. Loving and touching. Okay, now we are into romance, and I don't, I don't want them going into freaky deaky, like ice, you know, iced tea sex stuff, because that's just creepy. Which one we're going to get plenty of that going forward. But uh, loving and touching. Yeah, uh, I'm going to point out that Martinez has a, and Sherman, Sherman and Martinez have co writes on this one. Yeah, they uh, clearly as, used the material written with Jack after he was fired. They, they, they mustained him, but he's no Dave Mustaine. But he's no, good. No. I know he just passed away, so I don't want to pile, pick No, on no. Uh, he, they, Sherman was the <clears> one they got rid of. Uh, but they do have a Jack Irons co-writing co credit on here, the original drummer who's not back yet. Mm. They got a bunch of Sherman and Martinez writing credits, so they still get points on the record. Good for them. Well, 
yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, moving on into Catholic schoolgirls rule, another one of those under uh, two minute songs. The lyrics are best left forgotten. Yep, and uh, um, decent song, but then you find out what it was inspired by and what it's about, and it's horrible. Um, yeah. They uh, had very little filters back in the day. Nobody was telling them not to do it. Do whatever you want. Here's money. Wow. Here's Holy money. Shit. And George Clinton has a mountain of cocaine. So Schneef some... co-produced the album to quote Nick. Oh, yeah. Got some Schneef. We got some stripper salt. We got some uh, we got it all. We got some hand truck fuel. You need to mm-hmm. um, you know, move some boxes around. Just uh... yeah. Ketis had to clean up from heroin and moved over to coke like. Yeah, he was using coke in Good order job to get taking off care of your his, friend. Using coke to get off of heroin withdrawals. Uh, it worked. Okay. It worked I, good enough. It worked good enough for like a barely a week when he was able to just bang out all the. As you can tell, he quickly banged out the lead vocals on this record in just a few days, and it shows. Yes, it does. Next, we move on into sex rap. Uh, this song is terrible. I will say I have no idea what Anthony was saying because he was clearly high when he recorded this. He definitely had the jaw action going and he was like, (laughs) right? Yeah. Horrendous. Spectacular. Great work. Um, Next, we move on into 30 Dirty Birds, which is 14 seconds. I believe all they do is just say 30 Dirty Birds and we move on, which is... uh, about as long as I can take a song called 30 Dirty Birds, 14 seconds. And then we finish off the record with Yurtle the Turtle, uh, written by Dr. Seuss, actually. So the Seuss family has points on a Red Hot Chili Peppers record. And again, the opening vocals are sung by the drug dealer. So he I'm brought it in the hand. I like, I like Dr. Seuss a whole lot. Did not need this track. I know it's beloved. People love this song. Fans of theirs love this song. Well, there's a lot of things in this world I love, but this because they remember it from like they know the the book from childhood, but it's not a good finish to the record. No, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat myself. They did not stick the landing. No. Here is on this, this the worst early Chili Peppers record? Is this worse than the debut or better? No, no, it's better. It, it's better, but not by much. Oh, Just a hair. I would give the first one about a four and a half out of ten. Okay. Just not just not quite there. Mm. I would give this one maybe a five and a half, five and a quarter. It's 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 an improvement. The good songs are really good. There are three really good songs on here. Unfortunately, one of them is also Catholic School Girls Rule with the horrible lyrics. Cringy, gross, horrible. But like the song itself is kicks ass and they continue to play it. They played it for a long time on it. Yeah, it's, um, it's actually pretty good. I, it's a good I mean, song, but it's just I wish new. it wasn't. I wish gotta, it wasn't. <laughs> gotta say, Flea on that track is amazing. Flea and, overall on this record starts coming into his own here, like oh, really yeah. coming into his own. I'm gonna I'm gonna talent. point out that Flea is not <clears throat> one much for effects, like people like Bootsy. Let's the guitar players get into that. Most notably, Frushante, who I think lives in a guitar pedal. He's got so much going on. Which which works out great for the sound, but on this record there's nothing, and he just goes to town on the bass on this one. Yeah, if you want to is... fast forward a second, uh, if you play bass or you care about bass or interested in bass, I'm pretty sure it's on the, the tube of you, YouTube, not a tube of use the creature, E W E. Um, there was a home video, a home bass video that Flea made in 1991 ish. Around the time of this album of of Blood Sugar Sex Magic, excuse me, hosted by River Phoenix, the two of them are out of their mind high, out of their mind high, just bugging out. Can't imagine the the company that put this tape out, and it was on VHS, and I had it on VHS. Would allow it was this probably about as coherent <clears throat> as the the Ace Fraley uh, anomaly <clears throat> lessons. Right, rest in peace, River Phoenix. But also. Holy cow. And Flea talks about like, he's like, oh, I noticed you don't, uh, you never used effects like other bassists. And he's like, I think what Flea does is he just dial when he's going to do the funkity, funkity, funk, the, the thwappity thwaps, he dials in a filter, a sound, 
and then he doesn't touch the pedal. Other bassists are like moving the pedal around. Maybe they're working the pedal like a Cliff Burton would have, but um, or Jimi Hendrix. But usually Flea just dials in. He has a dry sound for everything else. And then he has a sound just for this. And it's set to a one level. And it's not, the wah is not too elongated, right? It's not too drawn out. It's very short. So he's just getting inside the pocket of the thumpity thump. And he's not getting so much of a wah. Many other bassists had that wah going. And I was one of them. I wanted the long wah sound because that's what turned me on. But um, yeah, not a good. What happens in between the two records? After they go this? out on tour. And here's where things get interesting. This record does not chart again. After a lot of money was sunk into the band. It, not not charting, right? <clears throat> not charting. Um, just a bit of a pebble. Pebble in the water. But they go out, they do their thing, and let's see what happens, what happens, what happens. Oh, yeah. They get mad at Cliff Martinez. And oh, look. Look who needs the job. Jack Irons. So for the last little bit of the tour, we have the original Chili Peppers back. And I believe it's the next tour where they fired Hillel for a minute. But they they seems things seem to happen for them on the road. Yeah, I think that's not in a good way. Could be a thing also where until they get a better manager later in their career, they're very self-destructive on the road. Apparently, again, another Wikipedia fact. Not sure if it's true or not. Cliff didn't want to quit. So they fired him like he wouldn't quit. They tried to make him quit and he wouldn't. So finally, they just had to fire it. You're gone, bro. Um. And I think I, I don't want to backtrack at all, but I will say that we got a few. We didn't get the facts wrong, but we got some of the facts omitted from What Is This, which was actually a better band than I remembered. I went back and listened to this week. And uh, one of their high school buddies that was also in that band is also uh, Alan Johannes, who ends up going on to make the band Eleven that I'm obsessive about and Queens of the Stone Age and them Crooked Vultures. And Andrew Straussman, who was also in their high school clique, and, you know, he had his band and they had their band. So it's kind of funny that the that after, like, basically one album, what is this that Hillel and Jack thought was the thing? Chili Peppers is not going to be a good band because Kiedis is not good. I'm pretty sure that was it. They didn't say it. I'm saying it. Kiedis is not that good in 1983 that they were ready to hitch their cart to him and flee. So they had their own thing that seemed a little more strong, and it didn't work out. And somehow Chili's eclipse them and that's why jack is able to come back in the band well, it should be pointed mm-hmm. out that the chili peppers were on a better label as well a much better label uh but again like uh, you wonder how today that wouldn't i don't know that they would have gotten three albums to figure their shit out no like no, there's no it doesn't seem likely to me that they would the, have the survived. fact that they got three albums in the 80s is still kind of you know when we like when we think back to our episodes on pink floyd and we talk about their first five or six five or six records for them to find their style. You know, think about that. Six records in Metallica is doing load six records in rush is uh, in hemispheres, six records in um, red hot chili peppers are at one hot minute. So yeah, things were different when it was a lot cheaper to make these things. And when you were expected to put out two or three a year, which is this that by this point in time that concept is gone because everybody wants to write their own tunes and not play all the covers that the label already owns. But so next, I will turn it over to you for the freaky for uplift mobile party plan. Right on. So they reconvene with their original kind of guys, and the label continues to support them on the crucial. It's often said in the music business, the third record is your most important record because if you haven't made it by then you're not going to make it at all by then um and so you know interestingly enough the label which is now they're they're you know kind of pawned around on the emi sub labels including um emi manhattan where the next chili's record lands so you know there's emi in england there's emi manhattan america etc so they go in the studio and they write 
where they go to write and then they go to record the uplift mofo party plan i to this day do not know what the shit that means um i think you nailed it earlier when you said that all of their lyrics are just inside jokes just inside jokes and um they're interestingly so you know andy gill at odds with they love george clinton results may vary and then i'm pretty sure the record label picked this guy for them because this guy on one hand, you can understand why he ended up with them. And on another hand, it's like this guy. But interestingly enough, Michael Binhorn, who is still around producing records and on Twitter and such, he has ended up producing this album. And he, up to this point, produced the debut rap record by Fab Five Freddy. Yes, that one from Yo! MTV Raps. He produced a Herbie Hancock record that went platinum. Nona Hendrix's debut album, not a lot else. He was an engineer for a long time, but he was a kind of a guy who fancies himself as like a George Martin of rock. Like, oh, I hear in the symphony, I'm hearing 20 didgeridoos, I'm hearing 10 guys playing the triangle, like Ed Grimley. So that's like he hears in a kaleidoscope. Perfect for these guys who are dreaming big dreams musically, especially with uh, the uh, Fab Four in their mind back, with Irons back in the band. So <clears throat> I think originally, as the story goes, they were supposed to produce with this with Pill guitarist Keith Levine, who also just passed away. A lot of people are dying. And uh, Levine, he produced the demos, right? And maybe he was going to produce the album. And so they gave him $5,000 to record the demos. And Halal and Levine immediately took 2000 of it out for drugs without telling the band and told them, oh, we got 3,000, uh, which then they found out about and pissed them off because <laughs> maybe it should have been all 5,000 for the drugs. But anyway, they make the demos that become this record. The label clearly is like, nah, we're going to give you somebody else who doesn't do drugs to be in it. Um, at least less drugs. Less drugs. Binhorn admits to not understanding the band when he started to work with them. Like, I don't understand this. Make me understand it. But he was kind of the go-between. The label actually hated the Chili Peppers, according to this entry. Like, openly reviled them so bad they didn't want them to succeed. It was the weirdest thing. But I was, like, the go-between. And I helped, you know, ease the band. <laughs> yes, I, just understand. I don't understand, bro. I don't understand. Make me understand it. Um, Ketis is so messed up on drugs, he could not participate again in making the record. He seemed to not like making records. As much as he liked drugs. Um, but like Slovak helped get Ketis healthy and coach him on his vocals and got him to sing better and all these things. Like really proud and all these things of his performance. So they come out with this record. And, uh, you know, um, again, there's a cover. We'll get to it. Um, and this is a, a different record. Probably finally the first time the band sounds like the band you know now. Um, I think that's fair, right? Because a lot uh, of the a lot of the horns and the funk trappings are stripped away from the band to get like they're lesser. They're not gone, correct. but they're less. They're, think, they're they're pepper, they're not potatoes. Right. They're not salt, they're not gravy. And what you're getting is a much more truer funk rock marriage as opposed to a funk band trying to rock or a funk band occasionally punky you're really getting i think the vision they had like you know what they really envisioned the band to be eventually i know they love making a record with george side effects may vary on the results so they they start the record they they put this record out and it finally cracks billboard and the label helps them make videos and put some energy behind them. And uh, this is the record we get. And I think a lot of people's first Chili Peppers experience is he is hearing the band. This band was now on radio. This band had MTV videos. A more finally, like a popular song that also was an MTV video. So I think a lot of people, when they think of the first thing they ever heard from this band, this is it um probably about fair? right yeah this is 1987 it took them a little while to get back to this one they i believe I fight a like a brave in high school in september of 1987 when this comes out 
I am in sixth grade, and the Cardinals have just lost the World Series to the Minnesota Twins in the Homer Dome. Kirby mm. uh, Puckett and Frank Viola. That is correct. I still remember Danny Cox coming in in relief and throwing eight straight wild pitches. Thank you, Danny Cox. Too. I remember that too. Spectacular, Brutal. spectacular work, Danny. Brutal. But so we move on into, I guess, we'll move on into the track by track. We'll point out the videos as they come up. The one I don't remember all the videos from this one. I know. Yeah, I didn't see they them had, all. They, yeah, they had uh, one really, and we'll get right to it. So I'll, I'll do the track. I thought, track. The, I thought the last track had a, a video. Uh, maybe. I, and there's also like a retroactive retroactive video later on. No. Oh, yeah, so, fair enough. Fair enough. So the record opens with the great but also problematic fight like a brave. So I feel like compelled to say that brave is now considered an epithet and not a positive commentary on Native Americans. I believe Anthony Kiedis has some level of native in him. He is, and they have made many songs and many charitable gestures toward uh, indigenous American peoples after this. But at the time, Fight Like a Brave is the big hit. It's a big single. It's a big MTV video. Today, I imagine if I was native, I would hate this song and hate that this is a popular song by them. But um, it was, it was, Easily one of the best songs on the record. Also. This is the one where the video, they come out of the sandbox. Indeed. Indeed. And uh, it's under four minutes. It's a tight little song and it rocks a lot more than the last record. And it's focused. And I think, I don't know if they wrote these songs in the order they appear, not counting the cover, but I do feel like, I do feel like it's, it's a lot more focused and really kicks off this next era of the Chili's. Like, this is what the sound is supposed to they, be. Yeah, we, fight, we have heard the first Red Hot, we have heard the first legitimate Red Hot Chili Pepper song, in my opinion. It sure beats Catholic Schoolgirls Rule. Um, any any other thoughts on the song? Or are you good? No, good song. We can move on. All right. Funky Crime. Funky Crime is solid, not spectacular, but another good Wibbity 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 song. Perfect perfect song for track two. Perfect song. Get it out of the way early or bury it at the end. The Correct. third song is a deep cut and one of the best deep cuts in the Chili Peppers' entire career. Me and my me and my me and my me and my friends. Great song. You want to talk about four dudes on the same wavelength, all crushing it. Here you go. The, so far, this is the best song they have released. Facts, and I think it's the best song on this record, actually. I would um, probably agree with that. Also, also, next song, Backwoods, pretty good. Another, another good song, track. Another three minutes, nice and short. Keep them short. Don't give Kiedis too much to do. Uh, I remember loving this song. Uh, I rewound and listened to this first side a lot. Did you say don't give Kiedis too much to do? Don't wow. give him too much to do because he's not that good. Don't let yeah, him think. Ever. Don't think, don't think, meat. Just throw. I just watched that. I just watched that. Come on, meat. Let me see what you got. I d went through a whole thing this weekend where I watched nothing but baseball movies for an entire day. Did nothing. I heard you couldn't hit water if you fell out of a, of a boat. boat, which is great. And then I made hot dogs and baked beans for dinner. I went to a baseball game this weekend. You did, but as I was with vegans, I did not have hot dogs. That's insane. I would still eat a hot dog in front of vegans. Ah, uh, they were nice. All right, still, um, skinny sweaty man. Any, don't need any, this one. Don't need a minute 16 of this. I think this is the end of side one, if I'm not mistaken, on a cassette. Yeah, and this it, is the longest minute 16 of their career, in my opinion. Not, yeah, just not necessary. Then uh, another another album highlight, Behind the Sun, which is such a good song that it gets a retroactive music video six years later when they put on out the a What Hits hit, compilation. On the What Hits compilation album. And that actually people know that video because that was the first video after under the bridge so people really remember that video um no i i would no 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 i'm gonna actually you because ahead, you actually me all the time captain actually sidekick go ahead uh wouldn't it be like uh more along the lines of sergeant maybe captain actually sidekick <laughs> would be sergeant, sergeant maybe. maybe oh my gosh perfect Thank you. So Sergeant Maybe's going to chime in. Uh, I believe Suck My Kiss was the next video after Out of the Bridge. 
However, the fact that nobody ever saw it because you you know back in 1992 you didn't you know you didn't drop these tracks with all the f bombs in them. Which that track, great track, lots of f bombs. Then the most confusing song on the record. Why another cover? They still can't is get it, one though? of these. Is it? It is. Are you sure? Yeah, subterranean sure? homesick blues. If they say so, it doesn't sound anything like it except the lyrics, which you can't understand. Which you can't understand because you can't understand Bob or even really hear Anthony on this one. He's barely here. He's mixed so badly because he sucks. Sorry, this sucks. Don't cover this song. Don't cover Bob Dylan. Don't pay him a nickel. He's a piece of shit anyway. Yes, it's a great song. It's a classic uh, American folk song. Why do this? Why taint your music with this? Whose idea was this? I want recompense. You're not going to get it. You owe me reparations for my ears for this. All righty. Moving on, I don't think we want to say the actual. Yeah, title we're going to be. I can't. I've been saving up all day for this. We're not going to say the actual title, but we're going to say the original censored title Special Secret Song Inside or Party on Your Privates. Uh, not. The other P word, not privates. And so uh, like a like a little kitty kitty. Yeah, yeah. It's a good song. Yeah, it's okay. a funny, you know, what happens is they make so many jokes and joke songs that no, you couldn't take it seriously if they wanted you to. Mm. So this is a throwaway. And as a throwaway song on side B of a forgettable, half forgettable album, it's not bad. But it's also not very good, but it's okay. I found it cringy at best. And this is a band that every for every record they put out that until they like, you know, got really legitimately sober because they don't get legitimately sober for many, many years. They're not legitimately sober now. I mean, come on. Well, I think yeah, I would say that run. it seems like a running thing where the eighth track of every record is the joke song. And it's awful every time, except well, on they, the later records. Every record they have a song where it's just really, really cringy. And you're like, really? You got in the vocal booth and you let people watch you say those things? Why? This Tell is me bad. I'm wrong. These two in a row are really ruined the record. Borderline oh, ruined what you know is what? their best record. You know what? Gretzky's coming down the wing. It would be like Gretzky passing to Ty Domi, bro. Come on. Like No. They got two in a row. He's got the first two. Gretzky's coming down the wing. You just compared the Chili Peppers to Wayne Gretzky. Anyway. No, I just want... I, I, no, I did not. You kind of did. Um, number Wayne Gretzky's nine, a suck. No chump love sucker. And Gretzky shoots and scores for the hat trick. The hats are coming down. Okay. It's also bad. It's not good. It's under three minutes, which is merciful. It's 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 okay in terms of musical composition. Again, Anthony ruining everything on this side too. I don't know. He is uh yes. he, he instead of being King Midas, he's like the Michelin man on this one. I am become death, Anthony Kiedis. Anyway, uh a little reprieve toward the end. Walking on down the road. Okay. Okay. Cliff Martinez gets a song right, obviously written before he was fired. Solid, not spectacular. Three and a half minutes, a little long for them, but okay. Uh, Love Trilogy, no idea. Do you have an idea what this thing's about? I yes, do I do. But I think it's like the holy trilogy of uh, cocaine, hair run, and marijuanas. I, I can't imagine what else it would be. That's fair. Or and at then... least was inspired by. And then you feel like this last track saves the record a little bit on side two, the organic anti-beatbox band, which was kind of about them. I'm sorry, did I say that? You kind of did at the top that it was good. I... The ending song is good, and the first song is good. No, I said it was a video. Oh, it is a video. I thought you said it was also good. I know. Maybe not. It's not bad. It's, it's not bad. And and they uh, well, let, let's also hear. Let's give the credit. We've we've slaughtered this record for what is arguably their best record so far. Three. Arguably, no, this is their best record. Let's give a little credit. Like, nobody makes a better self-referential song than the Red Hot Chili Peppers, right? Like, and you know what? When nobody knows who you are, 
Should you talk really about be yourself writing? all the time? Would you should you really be doing these self-referential songs and singing about California and high school and whatever the hell organic anti-beatboxing is? Well, I mean, I like the beatbox thing. And again, like they worship rap. Still not a lot of rap rock bands at this time. I don't know if you can name that many other ones. At this point in time. Warrior uh, Soul comes to mind. Faith No More exists. Faith No More, but they were so much more than a rappy. You know, like Chuck. Not with with Chuck. Yeah, but like still. we They're not just We Care A Lot. And Song has singing. All right. Now, I want to actually talk about this song a little bit. This song, and hear me out, is a funeral dirge. This is when they let go of that. Because the the first record is who they were at that time. The second record is who they're trying to be. The third record is who they are and who they will become. This song, I feel, is a leftover. It is a, uh, it's a vestigial remain of that first record. Obviously was not probably, was not written at that time most likely but we have the very rappy the very punky the very nonsensical the very unstructured red hot chili peppers the 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 pure chaos chili peppers of the early 80s they do this and we don't get anything like this again until by the way when in the song by the way they did every style they've ever done in four and a half minutes fair enough I will give you a little bit more credit and say, yeah, it's not it's not bad. It's actually saved side two a little bit. The whole rest. Oh, of it's no, it's it's not a bad song. And I mean, I was just, I just didn't um, remember saying that, and I don't want uh, people putting words in my mouth. Sorry, Captain even if I so even sorry. if I agree with them, <clears throat> Sergeant, maybe or whatever. Sidekick, maybe. Should, maybe. Should probably be private, maybe really. Private. <laughs> Baby's privates. Oh, all of Fishbone is on here as backing vocalists. Beanhorn somehow gets on here as a backing vocalist. And here's a little fun fact for you the cover album, the cover of the album, excuse me, was done by fantasy illustrator Gary Panter, who you might know, who did a bunch of Frank Zappa records. He did Pee Wee's Playhouse. This looks like Frank Zappa playing at Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah. And also, Gary Panther is best friends with Nick's favorite cartoon auteur, Matt Grenning of oh. The Simpsons. They are best friends, and his wife used to manage the germs. So it's like six degrees of fleas punk separation always coming in. I thought you were gonna say, I thought you were gonna say Gerald Scarf. <laughs> that would be we didn't have a Pink Floyd mention until just now. So that's pretty good for us. Um it was organic too. I didn't, I wasn't a, that was not a shoehorn. So, I don't know how much further we want to go today. You know what? Let's go ahead and... We want to start on a downer next week or end on a downer now? Let's end on the downer now, I think. So, the band uh... goes on tour, and Ketis and Hillel are just wrecked on heroin, right? Just just destroyed. Well, this is when they try to get get healthy. They were on tour. It doesn't work yet. They they fire Hillel because he's, like, incompetent live. Uh, on the on the the heron, and um, they fire him and they bring in Dwayne Knight, who is also a Parliament guy, and he can't cut it because they like that he's a funk guy, but he can't mm-hmm. play anything else. They do. He, he was a good soloist, but um, Hillel comes back in a little cleaner, and Titus and Hillel vow to keep each other sober. It's amazing. It's gonna happen this time. And they come off a tour because I just watched the behind the music again today. And three weeks later, Halal is dead of an overdose. Just horrible. And, and when... Ketis was high when he found out, according to Ketis. And he goes right on using. He doesn't stop for a day. So, you know, like, oh, I should have had the wherewithal to stop. But you know, he talks about it in scar tissue. I deeply remember this. Like, even... Even at my worst, lowest moment, when my friend was dead, I still used heroin. Um, that's my usage of the voice this week. I remember when Helena Slovak died, and I was deeply sad. Um, I wasn't. I became a much bigger fan after this, but like I remember being reported that he had overdosed. It wasn't as many overdoses back then, or the as many as we heard about, and I, I found it to be super sad. Uh, Jack feels like he cannot go on 
and quits the band. And we leave off probably for the end of this episode that Lee and Kiedis, Kiedis gets so clean enough and they're left wondering if they have a band anymore. Let's mm-hmm. real quick, if I could, you know, we made a lot of giggly stoner jokes this episode. You kind of have to, if you're me, in order to get through this kind of thing. They they were who they were. Unfortunately, they didn't all make it out, which is always a great tragedy. And part of the reason why I make those kinds of jokes at the expense of the drugs that they use, when you get into this kind of stuff, you are on a train and I am ridiculing that train because I don't want to see, you know, here in, in I live in Missouri, I live in St. Louis, Missouri, and the opioid crisis here is high. It is high. People are dying left and right here on overdoses. And as they are here in San Francisco, it's a hot mess. Correct. So when I make fun of it, it's because I'm making fun of it because let's take the sting out of it and let's take, you know, Let's make heroin chic not a thing. It's a shot in Freud. We're just we're deflecting our pain with comedy. And um I have many oh, that friends. is not Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude oh. is something very different, and you don't want to use that out of this context. All right, sorry, Jesus. Um no, Schadenfreude is uh, happiness in the unpleasantness of others. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's me. Sorry. Uh, not in this case. Not, not in this, this case. case. Not in, uh, we're we're deflecting, we're deflecting and projecting. So we don't feel the pain. Uh, listen, like I love Halal Slovak. I love the Chili's. Uh, this was the album that made me a fan. My Hebrew name is Halal, by the way. It was named for my grandfather. Uh, you know, uh, rough. Rough when he died. I remember it. Um, they lost their friend. They still talk about him. They still like make tribute songs to him today. And even even in the future, guys coming in are always under that shadow of that massive guy that taught Flea how to play bass and got him to love rock music. I mean, if you think about it, legitimately and honestly, without Halil Slovak, this band never exists. 100,000%. You know, he congealed that, you know, he knew a drummer that he was in a band with and he got Flea to play the bass and Anthony's Flea's best friend so, of course, Anthony's got to be involved. And, oh, look, we all like doing this stuff together. We make, make music together. And, wow, they end up going on to absolute fame, fortune, and the complete and utter dream. Unfortunately, excess rears its ugly head. And, you know, this is the 80s. The 80s is not, you know, going to rehab wasn't really a thing to speak of yet. Nobody talked about, you know, we didn't, it wasn't until the 90s we heard about Ozzy trying to go rehab, try to get clean. Nobody was really talking about getting clean. I think Stevie Ray Vaughan, after this, talks about getting clean. And he was probably one of the first big guys to really talk about getting clean. Stevie Ray, that other blues guy who's British I don't like talking about, and Duff are the first people I really remember having to go away to come back okay um you know we lose rock soldiers we don't want to lose anymore so correct and there's a good good chance to say that if anybody's out there struggling maybe we'll provide some numbers and some some literature where you can get some help at this point in time in, in the history the support network is getting off of heroin meant throwing up for five days at best so you know we we talk about how they're going through withdrawals and they're wrecked and they're, they're sick. Yes, they are absolutely that when you heroin is such an addictive substance that when your body gets used to it, it's like, it's like, uh, I don't like quoting Axl Rose very much, but in the song, Mr. Brownstone, which is a song about being on heroin and what it does to you, you know, a little used to, what was it? A little used to do it. And the little got more and more. Now, a little used to do it. Now, the little doesn't do it. So the little got more and more. And eventually you get to the point where you can't go a day. You can't go half a day without throwing up violently for hours. So, yeah, I get how hard it is to kick this. And I am thankful that uh, both Frashante and Kiedis both kicked it eventually. Sort of. 
Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, I said eventually. Eventually, but not really. Um, the problem with heroin is running out, as told to me by a former friend of mine who's a, a legit user. But um, anywho, on this dour ending, I think on this dour ending, let's briefly. No, not yet. Oh no. Let's briefly talk about some good things. Okay. We are three records into the Red Hot Chili Peppers in our second episode. There is about an album's worth of really killer tunes out of these three. We are seeing the band growing and changing into what's going to be legitimately a supergroup in less than five years from this moment. We are seeing the seeds the tree has planted. It has sprouted. There are little buds on the trees. It's a sapling now. It's a sapling. It's a sapling in the springtime. So for all the downness, for all the bad notes, there's some good ones too. And the best is coming. The best is coming. And regardless where, what happened to Hillel Slovak, we're talking about a man that will be remembered in perpetuity. So he left his mark. We got that at least. And with that, let's wrap this stuff up. Thank you very much for listening. If you are still here, hopefully you can give us a star review on your favorite podcast platform. Hopefully you've given us a thumbs up already because you're awesome. Please subscribe. You know, give us an eight to 12 week trial run on your subscription. And you know what? If we got anything wrong, if we were insensitive, if we were overly sensitive, get at us at the comments. I yearn for feedback. I friggin need it but with that as we always say well before i get to that i of course am nick cameron you can get me with me on twitter at nik underscore no underscore c nick no c you can get with me on instagram at dot or at glacially musical no spaces no underscores simple keefy of course at ghost cult keefy ghost cult mag and ghost cult everything for all your news views reviews and occasionally more of me and with that, as we always say, this is the Glacier Musical Forecast. It does not play in Peoria.